Hello, welcome to the Hump Podcast with Garrett, Micah, and normally Christian, but Christian is not here today, so his chair is empty. It's just me and Micah. We are here today. We're ready to do the kids' Bible story of the prodigal son and the parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Uh, Today is going to be a a different little bit of a dynamic than usual since Christian's not here, but we are excited to come and, and discuss this incredible parable with you today, and I hope you're excited to listen and see what we have in store. Yeah, so... Hey, what's up, Garrett, by the way? Um, so we hey. have been... This is episode 20 of the Han Podcast, right? So we've been doing that. I think we missed one week somewhere in there. So let's. we've been doing this almost for six months, about 21 weeks, something like that. And so I think... No, no, because most... There for a while we were doing two per week. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so, so like... We're like say, it's not six months. Anyway, surely. we've been doing this for... Don't call me. 20 surely. episodes. Who surely... Um, we've been doing. That. You're right. I forgot about that. That seems like a long time ago. We've been doing this um, for a few months, and I think Christian. Anyway, all that was to say, I think Christian's on his like sixth vacation since we started. Um, and so throwing him under the bus. Yeah, of course I was quarantined for two weeks, so I made it challenging yeah. for us too. So now I'm just teasing. And we wrecked um, our we wrecked our uh, that's true. truck we, on our we vacation. We did screw that so one up. Kind of threw yeah, that's off. true. That one feels we feels like we have had less than a vacation this year, but. Uh, I'm teasing. Uh, we do miss Christian. Christian uh, brings a great dynamic. He really balances me and Garrett out. So we'll see how today goes. But uh, <laughs> this go, could really go off the rails. And it, I'm expecting it will. So um, we're supposed to. We're that's we're recording this on a Tuesday instead of a Thursday because I'll be on vacation yes. later in the week. Yeah. So it would just be you. And man, if it was just me, if it was just me, we would have had zero listeners this week. Uh, <laughs> Five so minute podcast. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what I said. I think I said that last week was uh, we did our on-air producing there in the last five minutes. I yeah. think last week said if uh, we did just me, it would be uh, five minutes of, of everything if I know. If we just did me, it'd be three hours of, of uh, just like tangents. circling, yeah, circling and one idea or topic, and yeah. So we're good. it's a good thing at least Garrett and I are both here. Um, so um, we definitely are our two ends of the, of the extreme uh, when it comes to this podcast. And Christian's right in the middle. He's kind of the mediator of us. So. <laughs> Uh, I just stay goofy all the time, and Garrett's pretty serious all the time, and, and Christian's somewhere in the middle. So so it's good balance, and without him... If you're listening, Christian, we miss you. Yeah, come back. So um, we'll stop talking about Christian. He gets no more airtime because he's not here. That's his own fault. So yeah, like Garrett said, we're looking at... Uh, it's actually all in Luke 15. All three of these stories go back to back to back. It starts with the lost sheep, and then goes to the lost coin, and then goes to the lost son, or the prodigal son, as it's probably more well known as um and and garrett is there anything we need to you know as we get ready to jump into this is there any significance to that that you think oh yeah absolutely um if you think about it within these three parables you have with with the the um the parable of the lost sheep you have a parable that's kind of shows that we lose ourselves simply from sheer foolishness that that you know, the sheep didn't know what was going on. It just lost, um, just wandered off. And then in the parable of the lost coin, you have a, a parable that shows that we sometimes lose ourselves for, through no fault of our own, that we just simply find ourselves down a path from temptation, from from not meaning to get down there, but we just find ourselves lost. Yeah. And then for the lost son, we see that, we sometimes lose ourselves deliberately, that we choose to lose ourselves. And so this is kind of uh, 
to place things in threes mm. in this time period was a show of significance. So it is a show of God's ultimate mercy and willingness to reach lost people because he did Jesus told these parables in a in a triad, but it also shows to that he doesn't just find lost things if they're lost in a certain way. He doesn't just find lost things if they accidentally lose themselves or if they just foolishly wander off. Yeah. He, he is willing to search for us and find us in an array of different situations. In really any way, lost. in any way you can get lost. Yeah. You know? I yeah. Mean, and that, truly that, this covers all, all the, all the avenues of, yeah. of being lost. Uh, even if it's your, if your GPS failed you. Yeah. Not, yeah I don't, I, you didn't even hear that. Did you? If GPS. No. You didn't even process that. No, I was starting <laughs> to read. Even if your GPS fails you, eh, I thought it was funny. Have you ever? Hey, good watched... one, Christian. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's the thing. Yes. I'll be moving on to the next one. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Have you ever watched what The Office? Yes. Yeah. When they drive when into he the drives lake. right into the lake. Yep. Yeah. That's something my wife would do, Jenny. <laughs> she would just drive straight into. This is what GPS said. Just kidding. Love you, Jenny. I find my my favorite um part of these three parables, honestly is the parable of the lost sheep and mm-hmm. the parable of the prodigal son is is really good and there's so much you can so, unpack. So are in you that. saying that it's overrated? No. I'm not <laughs> I'm just saying kidding. I'm saying <laughs> All right, that continue. I, I'm sorry. I think the lost sheep parable is underrated. Okay. I'm because there there's something to be said um and and the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 verse 4 Jesus really really pushes the fact that he was going after one sheep. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And there's something... Before you go deeper, let's let's set the stage of who he's talking to. Back it up to verse one. So so just so we're aware... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...of, of who his audience is. When we read scripture, and, and, and Garrett knows this, by the way, he just is mo- moving forward, but... Um, when we read when we read scripture, we need to read it in context. And what we mean by that is who, what, when, where, why, how, who you know, who wrote it, um, what's the purpose, when was it written, wh- or when was it recorded, where was it written, wh- where's the setting, who's talking, why are they talking, and who are they talking to. So we do need to read all of those things. And you see right at the beginning of verse of chapter fifteen, the tax collectors, and it has in my Bible quotes sinners. We're all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so obviously Jesus was a, um, he was blacklisted at that time be, for, by in the, in the camp of the Pharisees and the, uh, the religious leaders because he, in their eyes, preferred sinners well, because that's who he came to earth to save. And I think there's something to be said that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the scribes, these were the top tier religious leaders. I mean, these Jewish were people, religious leaders. Yeah, yes. these were people that... You know, for in our context, this would be someone that is well known and revered even by by religious people mm-hmm. around them. So, yeah. like for us, um, you know, Judah Smith, um, uh, uh, Stephen Furtick, Stephen Furtick. Who who else can I think? Can we think of um, Billy Graham, John Piper, Billy Graham? Yeah, um, these people are are religious. Preachers, they're they're Christians that are well known and revered by other Christians, yeah. and so Jesus wasn't just talking to you know hypocrites. Or I mean, they other, were hypocritical, yeah. but they were well revered yes. religious leaders. Or in other denominations, like the hierarchies of those denominations, yeah, Christian yeah. Church doesn't really have those, but 
you know, the Baptist church organization, the, the Methodist church organization, it would be the, the, the bishops of those, you know, the top dogs kind yeah. of, of those and organizations. He, he was talking to these people, and it's not, it's kind of implied, but from the begin at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, these religious leaders and scribes, they were amazed by him, and they were yeah. amazed by him up until the end of his ministry. I mean, his teaching was incredible. Yeah. They wanted to be able to draw crowds, like they were almost jealous of Jesus being able to not almost, they were jealous of Jesus being able to draw crowds. They were awed by his miracles, and they wanted so badly for Jesus to tell them, I am the Messiah. I am the guy that the prophets have predicted. Yeah. But Jesus refused to because he knew in so doing, they wouldn't receive him the way that he was supposed to be received. Yep. And and so they just kind of were in awe of Jesus, but they were mad that Jesus came Different than they expected. Yeah. They and they were, also expected they would, you know, kind of receive a reward by the Messiah. They, yeah. they were these people who were committed to the faith. And, yeah. And, you know, why, they ex- why would, yeah. Th- why, if he was the Messiah, why would he hang out with people? Lepers that, and yeah, sinners. That, that and are sinners people. and yeah. not hang out with the people that have worked their entire lives yep, to, for sure. to do this. People and, that weren't in the faith mm-hmm. or that didn't practice, you know, Judaism or even Sumerians. Yeah. Or Samaritans, I guess I don't know. Samaritans, Samaritans, and shame people the, from Samaria. Shame on the church today for having this tendency to yep. to surround ourselves solely with ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we need to build one another up and and get deeper in faith and study and and uh, solidify our faith together. But I mean, we see Jesus; he didn't. If if Jesus really wanted to sit down and debate and and dive deeper into the scriptures, the teachers and uh, the teachers of the law and the rabbis and the scribes were the people that he would have hung out with. Yeah, and and he did hang out with them. I mean, he debated with them. He a lot of his most profound parables and teachings comes from one of the yep. teachers or the scribes asking him a question. So and we him, know he hung out with them. And him dropping the mic on him. But he didn't seclude himself to people who were religious, to people who were pious and holy. He went to those. Does, does pious that mean weren't. they liked pie? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If so, pie. I'd be the most pious person out there. Yeah, you know, I miss Christian's laugh. He laughed yeah. at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anyone here that I just have to start laughing. At them. I put a laugh track in for myself. So. Um, yeah, I guess but, I, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah, you just kind of look at me like, cool. All right, let's keep going. Uh, so you can jump in now to to what you're talking about in the lost sheep. I just wanted to make sure we set the stage and make sure people, as we move forward through all three of these parables that are really just one big parable that he used. It's point yeah. A, B, and C of one big parable. Um, but he because it's to the same group of people. So so just keep that group in mind. Imagine who Jesus is talking to. He's not talking to. His disciples, I mean, directly, he's talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who don't understand why Jesus is hanging out with the weird people. And that's why whenever he, when Jesus starts off and says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country to go after one lost sheep until he finds it? I think the religious leaders and scribes would have heard this and said, Yeah, you leave it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you you just let it it go. The other 99 listen to you. Why would you go after the one? I I had never thought about that. Would they have made... Because these people, usually, I think maybe unanimously, these were learned people from a young age. So they were never shepherds. No, they, they didn't... 
work right. with their hands. Right. They didn't. You they know, sat and read books yeah. as kids. Yeah. So because not everyone went for to them, school. It okay. made sense. Yeah. It's just one sheep. Care about the ninety nine yeah. more than care about the ones that actually want to be a sheep. Care yeah. about the ones. If that I want got to a ninety nine, if I got a ninety nine percent on a test, I don't hundred questions. I got ninety nine right. I'm like sweet. I could yeah. care less about the other one. But, but any shepherd yeah. would say that one sheep that's gone is. Valuable. A day's wait or yeah. a week's wage. I can't Valuable. lose that one sheep. I'm going to leave the others in a place where I know they'll remain and go get this one lost sheep. Yeah. And that's such a profound teaching for people that are used to piousness, that are used to purity, that are used to you know sticking with the the things that you know are good. Mm-hmm. That that's foreign to them. Why would you go after the one that's bad if you know you have ninety nine good yeah, ones right here? Definitely. And and for them, you know, when Jesus would have spoke this, I can't believe that they would have said, "Oh yeah, we go after the one cheap." I think they would have. <laughs> that wouldn't have made sense to them. I, I can imagine that scenario when Jesus is like, "So suppose you got a hundred sheep and you lose one." Do you not go after that one? And they're probably like holding their hand up, like about to answer. And he's like, "Yeah, you do." And they're like, "Wait, do you? Like, do you? Are you sure, Jesus? Like, I don't know." The if entire I would. crowd's probably like, "Yeah." You and go the shepherds after are all in the yeah. back, like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. You you know, they've got their sheep. two yeah. sheep that they just found in the woods. I'm like, "Yeah, Jesus is right. I just went and got mine." But I think what then would have resonated with the teachers is when he says, "When." Then he calls this, uh, continuing in verse 5, he says, And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. And so he's saying, I'm celebrating over the one sheep that went away, and I found it, and I'm rejoicing over this one sheep instead of the 99 that I never had to worry about. Right. I'm rejoicing over the one that I went and found more than the ones that I never had to worry about. And at that point, I think that's when the teachers and the the Pharisees, the scribes, that they would have thought for a second and thought, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. What do you have to rejoice over the 99 that always stayed the same? Yeah. Yeah. The one that was lost, I mean, you get to rejoice because you find it. The yeah. 99 that stayed the same, what what is there to rejoice over? And then that's kind of talking to these teachers of saying, you know, if, if you Hitting do nothing yeah. but stay safe yeah. your entire life, what do you have to rejoice over? I yeah. mean, you're not going after these sheep. Yeah. You're not going after the ones that are lost. You're just staying the same. You're, you're staying safe. But what's cool about that is you see that explained in the third part of this parable in the third in the prodigal son yeah you actually see that part play out so it's almost as if let, let's say what you're saying is exactly true this this is how the pharisees were thinking and responding jesus knows that and so when he gets to the third parable it's almost like he targets that idea of you know he's talking about the lost sheep and the rejoicing over those and then he fast forward to the lost coin you know if a woman loses a coin uh, which is interesting that he uses a woman here uh, i suppose suppose a woman loses um well has the, ten silver coins and loses one. The the significance of that I think is it implies a in that day and age maybe a widowed woman, mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have a steady income. Right. But loses a silver coin, which would have been um known as a drachmas. It's a Greek What'd you coin. Call me? Oh, oh the coin. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, it would have been known as a drachmas, which was equivalent to a Roman denarius and was it worth a day's wage? Yeah, which is crazy to think that one coin is worth a day's yeah. wage. Here's so, your one day. So yeah. yeah, if you make minimum wage today, which is what eight dollars seven fifty an hour, something like that, and you work an eight yeah. hour day, you make 
forty bucks. Is that I, right now? I, I don't even I don't know, know what. What'd you say? Eight hours? How much you make? Eight a day? hours for seven fifty an hour. How oh, much that's you like fifty, sixty dollars. Fifty six fifty, and then okay. four more dollars plus tax. I don't know. I'm not math. I, I don't. I'm not math. math. I'm not. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 I don't do math anyway. I, I am but, Micah. But <laughs> I'm also not math. But yeah, so make fifty dollars a day today, and one coin uh, yeah. at this time was. You know, but she loses this one coin. This is that's a day's wage for her. And hypothetically, if she's, you know, he says uh, a woman has ten silver coins, and this isn't degrading women, but it's just kind of makes the it assumption that cultural. she doesn't have a disposable income. She doesn't right. have an income coming in. Um, she's probably yeah. widowed or something. He, she she's lost this coin. She doesn't have, you know. That's one less day. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. Yeah. So. so, so you know, there's a there's a big emphasis on in both of these stories. Uh, in in the first two, uh, there's a big emphasis on the rejoicing. Uh, there's you know when she finds the coin, doesn't she um, rejoice? Uh, she finds it, calls her friends and neighbors in verse nine, and says, "Rejoice with me! I found my lost coin." And that's exactly what happens with the sheep. Mm. And that is also what happens in the third parable. And uh, but in the coin and the sheep, but it's a different sheep, context because in the in the sheep. You see that the sheep went away because the sheep is, well, frankly, doesn't understand what's going on. It right. just wanders off from its own foley. It has lost itself. The shepherd finds it, rejoices because he found his, frankly, it's his dumb sheep yeah. that, that just wandered off. The one that's off. even yeah. more dumb than the And rest. then for the woman, she rejoices because she found the coin that... Jumped you know, up at no fault of its own was lost. It right, just, you know. But but there's but there's the an third one's different because he chose to be lost. Right, and and but what I'm getting at is you almost don't see. The third one is where you actually see the target at the Pharisees because they're the brother, they're yeah. the other brother, and yeah. so you don't see that part of it. it you literally just see mm. sheep was lost, it's found. Shepherd calls his friends, they rejoice, and and then he goes on at the end of that one and at the end of the coin, and he says. Um, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And at the end of the coin, in the same way, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so there's a really, in the first two, a really strong emphasis on the sinner, on the repentance of the sinner and the rejoicing that should happen there. Mm-hmm. On the third one, which we'll get to um, in right now, I guess, you see the emphasis of what does everyone else do? You know what? 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 You know, we're not all the ninety-nine sheep. He doesn't talk about the ninety-nine sheep or the nine coins, other than just saying, "You just leave them there for a minute and go get the other one." Yeah. And so, if you're falling into the prodigal son category or the lost sheep, okay, you know, you know now your life is worth rejoicing over. Great, yeah. and that's true. Now, what about the people who are in that group of ninety-nine? Maybe have been believers and and haven't chose to stray, but have messed up. And, and of course, we're not perfect. We're always lost at least a little bit. So now what? And that's kind of where the Pharisees, that's where they think they are. They're in the group of 99, the group of nine coins, yeah. the, the brother who stayed at home. So they're kind of safe. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah so we're uh, good. you're not rejoicing over me like you would someone that was and lost, what, but we're safe. And they're thinking, Jesus, what are you getting at here? Yeah. Like, you know, cool. Like, I get the sheep. I get, I don't really understand the sheep, but like, and then I get Jesus what you're saying. breaks yeah. off into what is and kind of Jesus known says, as the greatest short sword yes. in history. He's like, all right, here we go. This is for you, Pharisees. And notice this one has a lot more detail than the oh, other yeah. two. And it's because his target audience, I think. I think we can look at this and say, why was the third one way more detailed? Well, the point of this one, 
the target, the people he's talking to, hits home with them which, much. Which is more so interesting because when we read this, we often find the target as the lost son. Yes, and we're like, Jesus is telling this parable to Absolutely. people that are lost, but in reality, nope. he's telling this pe- this parable to people who are lost because they think they aren't lost. Yeah, he's telling this to the the second the son that stayed, not the son that was lost. Yeah, and, and it's funny as he tells the story, all the detail is of the. The, the lost person's, the lost son's doings. All mm-hmm. the detail is in the, the build-up, the build-up, the build-up. And then it's like, and you're the one it's really about, but I'm just going to say one quick sentence about you, the older older son, and just yeah. say, or the, the other son. I, you know, I don't know if we really get an indication whether they're older or younger, but... No, um, he he was he was the older. Is there an indication um, yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, because in the verse in verse eleven it says Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said okay. to his father, yeah. "Father, give me my share of the estate," which so, is something that's common. Yeah. By the way, this is when. So typically in in Deuteronomical Deuteron Deuteronomic law. Hello, man. That was a tough. Second one. law. And yeah, whatever. Um, and in the law of Moses, Deutero, Deuteronomical, Deuteronomical, Deuteronomical. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> I Keep don't going. Know. In the I law of Deuteronomy, I have too many like languages in my head, and I can't think of how to say That's it. That's scary. Anyway, um, in the law of Moses, it was this was of something that was practiced that if a property owner, someone who had an estate, was going towards the end of their days, the older brother inherited, if there's a family of two, the older brother inherited two-thirds of the property, Mm -hmm. and the younger brother inherited one-third. And it was legal for that man, towards the end of his life, to go ahead and give them that inheritance, to Mm -hmm. pass it off and, and not, you know, wait until he died for them to get their inheritance. The thing that's different about this story, that would have, like, any Jew or any person who was a part of the the law of Moses who who um, understood this, the part that would have made you kind of, when you heard this, kind of wince and say, oof, man, you know when you see a movie and you see someone do something stupid and you're just like, you shudder and you're cringe like, oh, you cringe, like, uh. yeah. That's, whenever everyone heard this, what the younger son done had, had did, they would have cringed because what had happened is he didn't wait, you know, for the father to die, which you know wasn't customary. Sometimes the father gave the inheritance, but he up and requested, yeah, he requested it himself. It. Yeah. He said, "Give it to me," you know, which was legal. There was no; it wasn't illegal for him to say that. It one third of the estate legally was went rightfully to him, his yeah. was rightfully his. But he just he was more focused on what he could get than yeah. he was on his father's love and his father's well being and his father's. Um, property and his, you know, he was right. more focused on himself and what he could get in life, and so that's the part that, you know, as soon as the younger son is introduced, it's, the Pharisees and these teachers would have said that guy's bad news. It's the request that he, yeah, as soon as he requested now. and said, yeah. "Give this to me now," the target audience of Jesus' parable, the the religious leaders, would have said, "Yeah, that guy deserves some bad stuff to happen." And to it's kind of interesting. I like that the father gives it to him. Yeah, it, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, a cool, a cool second level back. of of information that we kind of skim over. Um, father coming, doesn't hold back. The father right. knows. Yeah, the father knows what what's in the the the, the son's mind and heart, like what he wants to he do. He knows with he's it. probably too immature to and really he knows, take this well. And he knows he's signing off a third of his estate. Like it's just going to be gone soon. 
I mean, he, he's probably aware of that. I mean, he probably doesn't know that, but he's assuming, yeah, yeah. this this third I'm giving you, the, your your inheritance, is, is you're probably about to just blow it, right? It's probably about to just disappear. Mm. And he chooses to do it anyway um, as just a, you know, I don't know if it's a lesson, but, but because he loves his son, right? His son wants something and he gives it to him. Uh, it's kind of interesting. And I, I think um, it's, anytime we see the story of the prodigal son, um, put into like animation or turned into a story, a theatrical version. There's a lot of time spent on what he does to squander yeah. his, his wealth. You know, there's like a little time where it shows him like the inciting event of him asking his father for the money and getting yeah. the money. And that doesn't, you don't have a lot of time spent on that, but then you have the bulk of it spent on him spending it all and losing yeah. it all. But in the parable, it's one verse. It says in verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth on wild living. Yeah. It was just like so quickly he got what he wanted and lost everything yeah. he wanted yeah. just in the same verse. Yeah. And I think the emphasis we need to look at the emphasis Jesus provides, like you said, one verse of him spending it all. But then you get, let's see, 14, 15, 16. 17, 18, 19, and 20 are all his response to what he's done. The consequence. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and so you get six. So that, quickly you can, you can make a decision yep. so quickly that affects so much yep. of the and, rest of your and life. You get so much. You get literally, like you said, one verse of like, and he blew it all. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. And the next verse is, the next few verses is, what am I going to do now? You know, there's yeah. that, that sense of loss. There's that sense of, Oh no! What do I do? Uh, I have nothing. I'm, you know, in in down in verse, I think, uh, let's see, eighteen. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Like he was, he was feeding pigs as his job. He was living with them, and he just wanted to eat what they got to eat. Which, what they eat now is pretty gross. I can't imagine what they, you know, they were just eating literally whatever well, they could two, eat. Two for a Jewish person in this day and age, the most detestable thing. That you could do was feed pigs, yeah, because pigs were unclean animals. So that you means living with them probably wasn't so living that good. With them was so so not only now now remember this the audience that's getting this parable is religious leaders that hold themselves to be extremely pious who are who the the entire the entire purpose of their life is to be righteous, yeah, and they're listening to this guy who has just dishonored his father. He has just spent all of his wealth on wild living, yep. permit being promiscuous, and now he's feeding pigs and living with pigs, so he's unclean. The, so everything about this guy the just makes are ready the Pharisees to cringe. Hang him. Yeah. Just hang him in the town <laughs> like, square. Get rid of him. Throw him away. Yeah. 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 Everything that's happening to him, they think he deserves. Yeah. And because of that, they don't expect what ends up following. Um, and I the like the, the the description in 17 when he came to his senses. We don't really have a time frame on here. And obviously this is a parable. Um, now there could have been people that did this exact thing. But this is obviously Jesus. This is an allegory. And this is a story. He's telling this story that he is making up on the spot, so to speak. Um, but there's no time frame of how long it took, which I think is partially important because there is no there is no time frame for the moral of the story. There's no time frame of when we return uh, back to God. 
there's no if you do it within six weeks you're good you know there's no yeah. there's no limit I guess is the word, the yeah. phrase I'm trying to use and so he says when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death so the next few verses he's like well I'll just go back and beg my father to let me just be a servant at least I can live and eat something that's not the slop of pigs and not be unclean and, and I can live you know in the in the servant quarters yeah. or whatever and so he's even saying I can just go be a bottom feeder at my dad at, at back home and a bottom feeder there is better than a bottom feeder here. Mm. Um, and he's saying, maybe I can, maybe, maybe my dad will just give me at least the grace to just live on the property and, and work for him for the rest of my life. Um, and so there's that, the idea of, again, you know, earning back, earning, earning his grace, earning his dad's yeah, grace and, and, and that forgiveness. He thought that that's how yeah. it worked, that he couldn't. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's exactly what, again, we have to look at who Jesus is talking to. This is exactly what the Pharisees and the religious leaders thought. They thought they works was what defined their relationship with God. If we follow these 10 commandments and all the other commandments that Moses gave, if we follow those and we don't break those, we're good. That's the goal. That was their goal of of, of of their religion was don't don't break the rules. Do what you're supposed to do, and you'll earn it. And so Jesus again is feeding right into his audience, and he's saying, "This man thought I just need to earn back mm-hmm. um, the the salvation or the 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 forgiveness of my dad. I just need to earn that back. If I can work hard enough at home, I'll get it back." And Jesus is and, again and partially too, about to blow their minds. It wasn't that he thought that he could earn it. He was saying, yeah. "I don't deserve it." Yeah. More importantly, he recognized what he had done. I'm to no get him longer to that worthy. Is what yeah, he he's says. saying, yeah. "I'm no longer worthy." And really, the implication isn't that he could one day work himself up back to right, being a right. son, but that he never could right. be worthy again. And even just saying, that "I'll once just you're work unclean, for you," you're unclean. Yeah, yeah, I'll just work for you. Which, which would have been a, a religious sentiment within within Israel that you know, after you get so dirty. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, and 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 a, it honestly gives me chills reading this next part, verse twenty. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The first few words of that to me are huge. But while he was a long way off, how, Garrett, how are you gonna? Do you see things a long way off? Well, and you have bad vision, so we won't yeah. get to that. <laughs> I can Wait, how, see how would you see off. things a long way off? You'd, you'd have to be yeah, looking sit, for them. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to be waiting mm-hmm. and looking, right? You don't just glance and see something miles down the road. You have to be looking. And so the dad was literally... We sitting can, on the front porch. Yeah, imagine him hoping. sitting on the rocking chair, not doing the daily things he needed to do, but instead watching down the road and just hoping that his son would come back. And man, there is some power in that statement. When yeah. you realize the parable and the people behind it, God is the father in the story. We are either the prodigal son or the the brother or sometimes probably both. Um, and God is literally sitting on his front porch waiting for us to return and come down that road so he can run, greet us, pick us up, and hug us, which would have been weird, right, for that time? That would have been a weird thing for a father so to run out. it was out and, undignified yeah. um, for, for a landowner or a man of prominence to run to run with sandals on. Yeah. Um to run at all would have been undignified. To hug publicly and kiss his son publicly would have been just unheard of. You you don't show affection <laughs> yeah. um publicly like that. And for him to do that, show that he 
had no regard, and, and this is another shot of Jesus towards the religious leader. He had no regard this father. His, he loved his son so much that when his son returned to him from, you know, from his uh, hiatus of sin, yeah. he had no regard for the social norm. Yeah. He, he I don't care. loved yeah. him so much that he didn't care what people thought as he went and showed that love yeah. to him. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he, he runs and, and hugs a son and, and he, you know, yells up to his, um, to his servants is go, you know, go get the best robe, put it on and put a ring on his finger, bring the fattened, fattened calf and kill it. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a feast. Uh, money's not an issue. Go get whatever. Get the best of everything we have. We're and, having a feast. And each for the one of those items is important because the robe is the robe is a sign of distinction that he set apart from other people in the household, um, from other managers of the household. The signet ring shows that he has authority. Yeah. So even though he went and squandered everything he had, yeah. he comes back and his dad says, "You still have the same authority you had when you left." Yeah. And the sandals show that. You know, slaves or servants in a household did not wear sandals. Gotcha. They didn't wear shoes. They w- shoes. They went barefoot anywhere. So for him to say, "Get him sandals," says, "I want to make sure that everyone knows that this is still my son. Yeah. That he's not just a servant. He's not just a slave." You know, it would have made sense if if the son came back after wasting a third of his inheritance. You know, it wouldn't have been against the norms for the yeah. father to say, "Okay, yeah, you can work for me." It also wouldn't have been against Norm for him to say, see you never. Yeah. Don't come no, back. But but a, a merciful father would have let his son yeah. come back as Be a, a servant. servant. Yeah. And so for him to say, give him sandals, is him saying, no, he's not just a servant. He's my son. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was no there yeah. was no kind of time separation before that happened. And so at this point, the Pharisees and the religious leaders would have been listening to Jesus and thinking, Okay, yeah, this that's that's not normal. That's yeah. not that's not what you Jaws do. Jaws on the yeah, ground at this like, point. They're like they're they're, no they're thinking, oh my gosh, are you kidding <laughs> what, me? What that's dummy ridiculous. did this? Right, yeah. like what yeah. dad? Yeah. Who? So so you get this is this is the story, man. This is like such a classic story. Uh, Jesus is such a good storyteller. Bef- you know, we the stories we, we see now, movies and books, literally model. Yeah, like this this outline. Uh, you've got a big moment that happens and then you've got the, the, the characterization of the protagonist and then you've got the, the, the shift in the story and then you've got the last minute antagonist's entrance. Right. Yeah. And so it says at the end of, of the verse thi- 24, the thing is firstly, before we get into the older brother, we stop it so often. Oh yeah. At the father yeah. coming right. to the son. Yeah. And, and we, Neglect the entire the really the, the main point yeah, of the story. What brought this entire story yeah. on? So, and this is you know you could easily call this instead of the parable of the prodigal son, call this the parable of the loving father because yeah. it's more a, the focus is on the father's love. But and and that's you know for us it's important for us to remember that. And and it would have been a realization for the Jews as well that they would have seen that the father represented God right. and they wouldn't have thought of God as someone that loved and brought mercy and yeah. forgiveness. Yes. They would have yes. thought, you know, a the wrathful, father would have you know, yes. brought down yep. judgment exactly. on the son. So so that's one thing, first of all, that, you know, if they if it did end with the father going to the son, the Pharisees still would have been like, That's crazy. God the God that I read about the God that I study that, that that's not who does he doesn't do that yeah huh. but then for Jesus to continue 
and bring the Pharisees into the story yes. was when they would have really got slapped right yeah. upside the head. Yeah, yeah. And, and assuming they had, uh, um, which through the stories you see of the Pharisees, they didn't. Assuming they had open hearts and they were willing to learn and change and, and understand, this would have been a big hum moment for them. You know, they would have been like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. You know, what we kind of read about the Pharisees, you, we have the assumption they have hardened hearts that they kind of, you know, neglected Jesus and actually killed him. So, um, so anyway. You see the, you see the, the, you know, always in like the movies, I feel like in the last like 40 minutes is, it seems like when all the action happens, right? You have like this almost like, uh, triumphant celebratory moment with like 30 minutes left and you're like, oh, it's a good ending. And then it's like, and then he'll turn something else bad yeah, happens. Yeah, it's called the final, ba- it's called the final battle and then the final battle part two. Okay. There, so the final a, battle, so the final battle part if two. If you, um, look at the structure of of um film writing yeah every film is structured in the same three act yeah way and the final act has to do with conflict resolution and then the final battle and then the final battle of the final battle yeah and then so you literally have jesus having this layout before filmmakers ever existed which is really cool i think so um and at the Which, end of interestingly enough, I took um, theology and film in college, and the professor used the prodigal son story as a way to show yeah, um, yeah, film that's structure. Cool. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Uh, he should ask me. I would have told him that. Anyway, <laughs> verse 24, the very end. So they began to celebrate, right? They're pumped. It's it's going down. But then we see the next word is, for my on my translation, is meanwhile. Yeah. So that's where you get the dun-dun-dun, right? So meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he came near the house, he heard music dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what, what what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. And refuse to go in. And the thing is, like the fattened calf, that is, that that's like a wedding level stuff. Like huge. What's that type of, of meat that, that, like that Japanese beef? Yeah, like that wagyu, they massage Kobe, 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 Kobe beef. Yeah. Like they Not massage Kobe, but Kobe. It's, like the whole purpose of its life is to. Yeah. And kill wa- wagyu the is like the other one that's. They're apparently like neighboring farms that are yeah. both like super. So, so the fattened calf. This was. For for a farmer, which obviously this this guy was, yeah, the fattened calf was what you you got it fat all year long to make enough money to then go and get another calf yeah. to make fat the next year, yep. like that. Super expensive. Yeah, yep. that was what you that was your prized possession because that was what you sold at the end of the year to make enough money for farming the next year. Yeah. And so he disregarded all of that. So that he could throw a celebration for his on, son. On top of his son losing a third of his estate, yeah. <laughs> which he's already given away. Yeah. So you see this extreme love from the father, and so obviously this extreme disappointment of the other son. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years, of, I'm in verse 29 of chapter 15. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is already yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found now again remember the audience what do you think they're saying as 
at the end of verse 24. So they began to celebrate. Jesus says that. The, I guarantee you the Pharisees, tax collectors, the people that were there that he was talking to, were thinking exactly what the older brother was saying. They were no, probably the thinking... tax collectors weren't. Well, I'm saying the... The, the tax collectors were thinking, oh, yes, because the tax collectors were outcasts, but the Pharisees and the teachers and the scribes... Well, that's not, that's not, yeah. I, I didn't mean it. If I, I didn't realize I said that, so I just looped them together all the time, I guess. Anyway, the religious leaders were saying, what, hey, what the heck? Why didn't the older brother get any of this treatment? Like, he never left. Yeah. And so when Jesus basically says the older brother was wrong, the Pharisees are then going, oh, wait, we're in that group, aren't we? You know, like, that's who they and align that, I with. I think that's why he keeps it open-ended. Yeah. Because he doesn't say what the the prodigal son, what, what the older son He doesn't even respond. Does. He, he doesn't say if the older son goes into the party, if the older son leaves the party. He leaves it open-ended because he's saying, what are you all going to do? Now it's your turn. Yeah, Balls are you all going court? to get mad because... I've shown love to a sinner. Yeah. Are you going to get mad because I sit here and eat with tax collectors? Are you going to get mad because I heal lepers? Are you going to get mad because I'm looking to reach sick people who need me or sinful people who need me? Or are you going to come join the celebration knowing that, sure, we never threw a celebration for you. We never... you, You did what you were supposed to your entire life but we're going to still celebrate the person that didn't do what they were supposed to do their yeah. entire life, but then came to me. Well, I think a key verse there, a key phrase in there is is the, the, the father says, "You are my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is already yours. Mm. Everything I have is already yours. You don't need the celebratory. Yeah, You've got better than that anyway. Uh, and, and so he's really just showing, look, second son, you've already got it all. You've got everything. You literally have everything I have. Everything I have is yours already. And the other son is really just getting a fattened calf. It's like, you've got everything else. And so it's, you know, perspective, of course, that the older son is like, well, he's getting everything because he's getting the fattened calf and the ring and the robe and the sandals. But the father's saying, you've already have all that. You literally have every one of those things already. And, you know, in a sense, he's saying, and I, I love you. I don't love you any less than the other son. Yeah. We're just happy he's back. Rejoice with us. We're glad he's back. And, and this is where, I mean, like, I love that you said that. I, I don't know if I've ever really thought about that, that he just leaves it open-ended. In, in a sense, he's saying, what are you going to do, Pharisees? Mm. You know, what are you going to do with this? Um, are you going to go in and, and rejoice? Are you going to, you know, be, be a catalyst for um, being the, the people that are going to go in and rejoice with the party and, and being a catalyst for bringing people back, for helping negotiate those those lost people and bringing them back or are you just going to stand there and watch Christianity unfold and fold your arms and be upset when people return um, and it's it's a really strong strong message and again don't forget when we read these stories we one we got to be careful putting ourselves in the shoes this is a prime story though where we are in the story where we are described um, in the story whether we're the lost son or whether we are um, the the son who's mad when they come back uh, hopefully we're neither. Hopefully we're found and rejoice when other people return. But we're never the father. That's important. God is always the father yeah. in the story, uh, and we, we we can't be the father there. But but we want to, you know, as the church, we need to remember that it's not our job to simply. It's not our job to simply surround ourselves with other like-minded Christians. Yeah. That's where we draw strength. That's yeah. where we grow. 
But we need to remember that Jesus came to reach those. He left the 99 to get the one. He left the 99 to get the one, and we need to do the same. We need to go out and reach those people and celebrate when we have them and and remind ourselves that, you know, our reward is in heaven and it's coming. And 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 if we're not, if we're part of the 99 or the nine coins that that just didn't happen to be on the process of helping Mm -hmm. someone return, we've got a party like it's 1999, right? We've got to rejoice with them. We can't be jealous of, you know, of them getting attention or getting the robe, so to speak, or getting the fattened calf. We've got to rejoice with them. And we should be the ones saying, let's throw the party, you know, uh, let's plan the party. You know, let's, let's, let's help God do whatever we can to rejoice and tell this person we're pumped for them and and jump, jump in with them and through life and and saying, let's do, let's, let's be Christians together. And now me and you, let's go find someone else to, to find Jesus again. So application of the story is be like Jesus in the sense that we are the shepherds looking for the lost sheep. The woman, We're, we're the ones we're looking for those that have wandered away, but we're also to be like, a reformed version of the older son who yeah. doesn't get upset when we rejoice for the one that is found. Let's assume the ending of the story is the older son saying, you're right, dad, let's go in and let's yeah. be happy that that's who we need to be yeah. without the angry part. Yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and be the, I like that you said that reformed son. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So the, the hunt, hunt moment for the day. The hunt the moment. Hunt. So there's a maze hunger strike in 1981, Garrett. Well, to preface this, the reason we thought about it is we thought, we were thinking, you know, the younger son was eating pig slop because he was starving so bad. Or longing to eat or it. Or longing. So did he actually yeah. get to eat it? So how long did he go without food? And then we got to thinking, how long can anyone go without food? And then we got to thinking, how long is the longest recorded time yeah. someone's going without food? So the, there is a um, there was a hunger strike. What's it called? The, it was called the maze. The maze. It was the hunger strike at the maze prison. So, in however, you Northern want, in Ireland? Belfast, Is that the one in, in Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland. Yeah. yeah. And so, in this hunger strike, um, these protesters were. Um, it was something. It was, it about was by they were British it political. It was a strike by political prisoners, people that were in jail for yeah. political issues, and they were striking while in prison. Um, and there was ten individuals that they 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 did end up dying from not eating, but they they made it between forty six and seventy three days. Isn't that crazy? Eating. So so there were some that died after forty six days. Yeah. But there were some that went seventy three days. So so the eating. fast lasted seven months, and there was ten deaths. But the reason it was seven months is like some didn't join until like two months in, yeah. and, and et cetera. So, but the reason it was four, I'm reading it here. I don't know this off the top of my head, but um, the first to die was Bobby Sands, the imprisoned Irish Republican Army leader who initiated the protest on March 1st, 1981. That was the fifth anniversary of the British policy of criminalization of Irish political prisoners. So there was some policy that was five years before that, and they were protesting that policy. What's cool about it, just random happenstance, it was there was some reform that came of this because of those 10 deaths which is just kind of a cool uh, i don't know what i don't even know if the reform was good or bad i have no clue but but the thing is when we were looking up to see how long someone could go without food we couldn't find a definitive answer because (laughs) it's inhumane to do these it's hard to volunteer like hey yeah i'll volunteer to never eat until i die and see how long (laughs) i can last you know it's just kind of weird so this is really the only evidence we found yeah there's really not much and the other like garrett was talking about some evidence we found of like older people that but that it's kind of skewed because 
if you're 105 and don't eat for five days and die, it's different than like a 25 year old. So, and that's um, what a lot of the researchers said that how long you last depends on how healthy you are going yeah. in, how how much food you require. So, like smaller people are going to require less food to survive than right. bigger people. And then you have like um, Mahatma Gandhi who was like 23 days with just sips of water. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which is I mean it, it's just kind of he was crazy. already skin and, and bad, he was already so. like 47 pounds or whatever. But anyway, the huh, 46 to 73. Don't test it. Do not test it for yourselves. I couldn't test it if I wanted uh, to. I couldn't. I, we've done a 24-hour fast, and, and it was, that was spiritual. I'll tell you that. That was <laughs> spiritual. Um, so, but that's kind of uh, kind of crazy that you could go 46 to 73 days without eating. It makes me wonder, you know, in the, in, in Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus went 40 days yeah. without food. Um did he go without food and water? That's I don't know. I, I don't know four. that. I feel like he would have had to have water. But it makes I don't me remember wonder if water now. Is said it, or not. it makes you wonder: is is that fast? Is it a literal recording, or are the forty days representative of just the forty? the The use of the number forty in um, that time was used to as a way to show completion. Yeah. So is, is it just saying that he completed a fast or he went for the perfect amount of time of a fast? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, let's see, Does it say food and water? Four, it says... Um, I feel like it just says he just fasted for 40 days. Where for 40 days he was tempted and he ate nothing during those days. Yeah, so it just says he ate nothing. Ate nothing. Well, it doesn't yeah, say so, anything about So you can assume anything. he drank water, but yeah. you don't know. yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Because what when we looked it up, it's um, about water. It says you can only go three days, yeah, seven like days, days at max. Yeah, it's like three to water. seven. Is Yeah, I would not recommend doing that, but I would probably drink water pretty often. But anyway, so the 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 three uh, completeness. Imagine how bad your pee would smell. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I need some asparagus in there. <laughs> um, so the three, the story of the lost sheep, lost coin, and prodigal son. Um, to, to take away from that, be be a helper of someone who goes and finds those lost sheep, lost coins, or lost sons, and when they are found, rejoice, rejoice like there's no tomorrow, and and be excited. And um, remember, that when you salvation. when you are found, yes, you aren't set apart. I mean, you are you you're loved, but that doesn't mean you look down on the people who yep. haven't been found yet. Yep. yep, and you don't you don't look at people and say oh, we I'm rejoice better. over found people. Period whoever they are, whether it's us or other people. And uh, we have to remember that we ourselves were yes. found at one yes, point or another. for sure. Yeah, good stuff. Well, um, I'll close this up in prayer since you did the intro. I don't, I don't want you to hurt your voice box. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We just praise you for the opportunity we have uh, to come together and just uh, discuss your word on a, on a deep level, God, and just uh, looking at the intricate truths uh, that you've shared with us through your scriptures. Uh, God, we uh, just thank you for for Jesus. We thank you for uh, the parables he told and these parables where we can learn more about you, God, your loving nature, and where we can learn about what our role is as as our uh, what our roles are as humans and just finding lost people, helping helping to find lost people uh, and rejoicing when they are found, God, when when they truly are found. Um, God just allow us to to do that, help us to to be um, finders, help us to be seekers uh, and, and rejoicers of those who get found. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.